Welcome to Snow the Goalie. Ladies and gentlemen, we are about to embark on what could be one of the most enjoyable, exciting, and uh, overly hyped up series in the history of hockey and the history of the city of Philadelphia. Flyers Penguins. It's everything that NBC could have ever wanted and hoped and prayed for, and we get it as a first round series. Welcome to Snow the Goalie. I'm Russell Joy at Joy on Broad on Twitter, joined as always by my delightful co-host Anthony Sanfilippo. You can find him on Twitter at Ant San Philly. Hashtag nailed it. Uh, really proud of myself on that, Anthony. Um, before we get started, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to be hearing this probably on Wednesday morning, which means you need to clear your calendar for this evening, Wednesday evening, 7 p.m. at Six Feet Under Gastro Pub, uh, right near Independence Hall. It is literally underground. The number one gastro pub. I don't know if it is, but we're calling it the number one gastro pub. The number one gastro pub in the city of Philadelphia. We are not only doing what our original plan was, which was a live podcast, crossing broadcast, but we've also converted this thing into a watch party for the Flyers game for game one of this Stanley Cup fine or Stanley Cup playoffs matchup between the Flyers and Penguins. So if you are a Flyers fan, even if you're not, if you're looking to just experience watching a playoff hockey game with some of your favorite people from Crossing Broad, they will be there. Uh, readers, listeners will all be there. It'll be fantastic. Get your friends, get your family, anybody who likes hockey or doesn't or hates Sidney Crosby and his dumb face or is just really excited to listen to uh, Doc Emmerich, the pirate, and uh, Regis McGuire giving some (laughs) between-the-glass commentary. Tonight's the night. Be there. Anthony, you're excited. I'm excited. It's really late at night that we're recording this. People are listening to it, and they're getting themselves hyped up. It's time. Flyers-Penguins. We've never seen it before. I'm just so excited. What do you mean we've never seen it before? We've never seen the Flyers and Penguins play. It's... I'm I'm obviously being facetious, but like it's it's always funny to me when when these two teams are matched up. It's it's as if you know it's this clash of the clash of the titans. It's a historic rivalry. It's really not like it's it's a cool rivalry. I enjoy it. I hate Sidney Crosby. I think Evgeny Malkin kind of looks like a dumb version of Andre the Giant. But like whatever, (laughs) you know. So like I'm excited. But, yeah. you know, it's we, we see this happen multiple times a year, and, and yeah. like this playoff feel, and I love playoff hockey. I, you know, I don't know how, how excited you get. I don't know how excited you were for this matchup. I, I didn't really care either way who they played, but I, I guess it's fun that they're playing Pittsburgh. I, I, for sure. For fans, it's absolutely fun. It's great because they love hating the Penguins. Um, and, and you're right. This is not a storied rivalry. It's not like there was this great rivalry pre-Crosby. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, they played them a couple times in the playoffs and, you know, with with Lemieux and and that group. Um, But the Flyers dominated the Penguins for many years, with the exception of those couple years that that the Penguins were really good in the early 90s. The the Penguins were a footnote, man. They were the Phoenix Cardinals when the Phoenix Cardinals were in the NFC East. I mean, that's what they were. I mean, oh, yeah, there's that other team that we play that's not Dallas, New York, or Washington. That's, That's who the Penguins were for the longest time. Then they took them out of the division and they made them play in the other division. They were in Boston uh, and Montreal's division for for a long time. And then they came. Then they brought them back. And then once Crosby came into the league, it was like, okay, this team just drafted the goalie number one overall, Mark Andre Fleury. They got Malkin at number two overall, and now they oh, can you figure it out? Can you believe it? They won the post lockout lottery and can draft Sidney Crosby. It's like, all right. I mean, the, the, you know, I think a lot of people, and it's not to really do much of a crossover in sports here, but I, I think a lot of people around the country are going to dislike the Sixers eventually because they 
tanked to get players, and just like a lot of people dislike the Penguins in hockey because they tanked to get players. And and that's not that that's not to diminish the talents of the players on the team. I just think that you know you look at it and say, oh well, yeah, anybody could have lost and gotten players, right? But that's the Penguins were the first ones to do that, um, really, um, by by tanking for four seasons in a row uh, to get those players. So ever since then, of course, Philadelphia with its inferiority complex um, feels like you know they need to hate the Penguins all of a sudden. Of course, now the Penguins have won three Stanley Cups with Crosby, while the Flyers have won zero, and that only makes it worse. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I, I think the Flyers actually match up okay with the Penguins. Um, out of the four teams, or really five teams, if you wanted to count Columbus, or really even if you say six, if the Devils. But I didn't think the Devils were ever going to catch the Flyers. But if you wanted to count Columbus in that group of the five teams that the Flyers could have played in the first round, I. I would, you know, Washington's really the only one that I would have rather seen them play than Pittsburgh. I thought that the Flyers really matched up well with the Capitals, and it, it's a, it's unfortunate that they're not going to play the Caps. Um, but I, you know what? Pittsburgh's a better matchup than, say, Boston or Tampa. And really, I think it's even a better matchup than Columbus because if you played Columbus and you had Columbus had the overwhelming advantage in goal with Sergei Bobrovsky. So I, I, I think it's a decent matchup. They're, they're, the teams are not too dissimilar in their construction. They're completely different in the style that they play. And I think ultimately that's going to be the difference in this series, uh, whoever can really dictate the, the tempo. Um, but they're you know the way they're built is very similar and and it's going to be an interesting series in that regard and i think that the flyers can hang with pittsburgh uh, for a little while anyway i think if nothing else we've got two really interesting playoff matchups obviously we want to kind of uh dig in a lot on flyers penguins which we should do and we will of course be doing at the live show but um i'm really looking forward to the boston toronto series as well i think that that one should be at least uh, yeah that that one should be pretty cool. I, that Nick, could Nick? that that could well be the best series of the first round. I mean, not, not even. I don't think that there's another one in that 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 evenly matched. To be honest with you, between two teams, I think that that could well be the best series. And, and this this is what I'm going to say. I mean, I'm not going to give away. We're going to do my predictions, my picks, and I think we're going to enter a Snow the Goalie podcast uh, bracket on NHL.com as well. Um, and we'll decide tonight if you want to go with my picks or we want to do some kind of. Co- collaborative thing we'll figure we that out up, can we set up a john can we set up like a a, a pool can uh, well, we set we up could, your thing uh, we'll, we'll yeah look. yeah we we'll can do, do this I mean, we'll do it live yeah we'll do it and um so the, the the thing of it is is that i will say that i think that those two teams playing each other are so good boston and toronto that the winner of that series is probably going to end up in the stanley cup final that's Ooh. my that's my prediction so uh, that's how good of a series that is. It's a shame that those two teams have to play each other in the first round. And that's part of the problem with the, the way the NHL has this stupid playoff system put together. But it is what it is. Um, and, and, but, yeah, I think you're right on. It's going to be the best first-round matchup between any two teams. Can you explain to the people really quick? Because I know that we have some people that, that are listening and some people that follow the sport at a more casual level. Mm-hmm. Um that that don't understand this revamped system. Can it's you explain awful. to the to the people, you know, for the people we've got um, Tampa Bay playing Jersey, as we mentioned, Boston playing Toronto. 
Washington matched up with Columbus and uh, Pittsburgh and Philly. Obviously. Yeah. So how, how do we get there? So the easy the easy way what it used to be um, for the longest time. I mean, there there have been several generations of playoff formats in the NHL, but the one that was that was that lasted the longest and was the and made the most sense was you would just take the top eight teams from the conference and see them one through eight, and one played eight, two played seven, three played six, four played five, and then you reseeded um, every round thereafter so that the highest remaining seed always played the lowest remaining seed. It was it was very structured and simple, and it made a lot of sense. What they're doing now is something that they decided was going to build rivalries in the playoffs, get more teams who you know hate each other playing each other earlier. And what and it's not doing that in a lot of ways. And as a matter of fact, it, it's silly. So what they do is is they only seed the top two teams and the bottom two teams. So <laughs> so what happens is is that if you win your division, you're seeded either one or two. And then so whoever has the most points is one, and whoever has the next most points is two. Okay, and then the next two teams in each division make the playoffs, but they're not seeded. They just play each other. So two and three from the Atlantic Division play each other, and two and three from the Metropolitan Division play each other. Same thing out west, um, and they're locked in to play each other with the second place team being the home team. Okay, they're getting the extra home game, and then you have two wild card teams, and those wild card teams can come from either division in the conference. The, what happens is is that whoever the number one seed is, the eight seed or the second wild card can plays that one seed. And if they're in the other division, they basically switch divisions in the playoffs, which is what happened this year. So Tampa was the one seed. The Devils were the second wild card or the eight seed. And ra- but rather than play in the Metropolitan Division playoffs, the Devils switch to the Atlantic Division in the postseason. So they have to play Tampa, and then if they happen to beat Tampa, they don't play the highest remaining seed. They play the winner. Well, they well technically would be the highest remaining seed, but they play the winner of Boston-Toronto. So they don't play a Metropolitan team until the conference finals if they go that far. It makes zero sense. It's terrible. They said it was originally instituted. It was going to be a five-year thing. I believe next season is the fifth year. It might be this year, but I think next season is the fifth year. And I hear word around the campfire is that they're going to try and change it back. And that would be the best thing they could ever do because this is flat-out stupid. It really is confusing. Listening to you even explain it in a succinct manner still makes my head spin a little bit. I mean, that was as as concise as I could make it. (laughs) It's, um, you know, the only thing that I'll say is I do like the fact, I, I understand what you're saying about it's a shame in a sense that, you know, the Boston Toronto series is going to be so great and that it could have made for a really excellent uh, Eastern Conference final. The flip side of that, and here we go with the, you know, cross sport reference, I got done watching Champions League today, which will be recapped on Crossing Broad FC, you know, the, uh, the European soccer uh, podcast that you and Bob had a hard time remembering the name of uh, on Cross Step. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm, you had I'm sitting, that in, I'm, yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm sitting there this morning or uh, this afternoon. I'm watching these games and all I keep thinking is, you know, like Roma came back and beat Barcelona, which was nutty. And, uh, uh, you know, now you're missing out on potential matchups like a, a Barcelona and a Bayern Munich or, or an El Clasico matchup or whatever. And it's a shame because like so often the way that seedings work, even in, in basketball and especially with, with whatever this format is in hockey, like it's still happens where like there are certain matchups that you want to see and you expect to see later on in in the uh in the playoff brackets like if it's the eastern conference final or if it's the round before it or whatever and 
something goes wrong, an injury happens, and then you miss out on that excellent series or what should have been an excellent series. So while I understand that it is a bit of a disappointment that it's happening so soon, it's better, in my opinion, to have, have been able to see it than for it to have gone to chance and those two teams to not eventually meet up. You okay, know what well, I mean? so here's, so if you, let's imagine we were in the old format. Okay. Just for a quick second. So Tampa and New Jersey would still be playing each other, right? Because they would have been one and eight, Okay. Mm-hmm. Washington would have been two just by the uh, virtue of the fact that they won their division. That was something that the NHL always did. If you were the division winner, you were two, even if a second-place team or a third-place team from the other division had a better record. So Washington would have been two, and they would have gotten Columbus, who's seven. So it's the same matchup that you got this year. Okay. The only things that would switch is that um, three would be Boston, and they would have gotten the Flyers, which would have still been a really cool matchup to, you know, storied franchises playing each other um and then four five would have been um toronto and the penguins which would have been a great matchup crosby against canada's team right so i i I still think you would have gotten a really good series in pittsburgh toronto would have been a really good series and you would have you know boston philly would have been a nice series and then you still have two of the four exactly the same as it is now so basically you're just saying that you know, okay, well, we're flipping the, you know, the division was so, the divisions were so lopsided. The three teams from the Atlantic are far and away better than everybody else in the East. Why are, why is it that they have to take a path through each other to get to the Stanley Cup, you know, before, or to get to the conference finals, rather, than the teams in the East, where in the Metro, who aren't as good, and one of them is going to be in the conference final because of this format. It's, it's just not appropriate. It's not right. You're really upset, and it's okay. I, like <laughs> sometimes, I just want to let it breathe. You know, like there's a, an awkward pause there. And for the people who listen to this show on uh, name whatever uh, random podcast app you want to do, like a lot of times you you have the gaps get cut out. So I really hope that the people who uh, who don't get to experience the little gaps that we have between each other for dramatic effect, uh, I, I still hope it comes across to them. It really it does. It does. It's, it comes it's funny. It's funny to just hear you get worked up about uh, you know the. The, the playoff uh, seating, you know, can some I, can people, I, some people get worried, you know, get worked up about uh, how many, how many um, uh, deep drop puck or uh, puck, puck drop offs occur in the, in a game with a, you know, the minute, most minute decimal breakdown. They get upset about that kind of stuff. Anthony just gets upset that, you know, the playoff matchups aren't working out exactly how he wants them to go. It's okay. Well, it's here's, okay. here's, here's my one thing. And I'll tell you why I get burned up about this stuff. Okay. I think that the NHL and hockey in general is a really cool sport. And obviously it's the fourth sport. I know that. And it's never going to be anything more than that. But I think it it misses an opportunity to become a little bit more mainstream when it does stupid things. And the NHL is known for getting close to becoming mainstream and then stabbing itself all over the place to screw up. A perfect example, and we discussed this before. We don't need to dive into it, but... It's um, the, the Winter Classic. It was such a cool thing that it was one outdoor game a year. You had all this build up and lead up with 24-7, and everybody watched those episodes, and it was really kind of cool. And then you, everyone watched the game. It was getting better ratings on New Year's Day than college football. It was going great. Everything was awesome. And then they said, let's play four or five outdoor games a year. That won't, that won't jump the shark. <laughs> well, what has it done? It's killed it. It jumped the shark. It missed, it missed the boat on it. So, But the That's NHL is a stupid idea. Yeah, they're notorious for things like this. You know, they if you want to go back, I'm going to, I'm going to take you back to when you were younger. But 1994, 
you know, they had <laughs> they had the best Stanley Cup final they could ever have asked for in the sense that they had the New York Rangers, who had not won a championship in 54 years, um, going up against the Vancouver Canucks, who were a Canadian team, so you had the entire country of Canada uh, supporting the Canucks. And it went seven games, and its ratings beat the NBA final. They were going at the same time because the NBA had a, a lockout that year. So the finals uh, for both leagues were going simultaneously. And it was the first year without Jordan in the NBA. It ended up being Houston and uh, and New York, the Knicks. And Houston ended up winning. And then, of course, OJ happened in the middle of all this. So that kind of <laughs> threw things into disarray as well. But the but the NHL finals had, a better, had better ratings than the uh, NBA finals. There was a front page cover of Sports Illustrated is the NHL surpassing the NBA. It was great. And I'm sitting there like, this is awesome for hockey. And then what did they do? They went and locked out the beginning of the next season and missed 50 games. And uh, all the momentum they had built was was gone. And that was it. And they never caught the NBA again. They had a chance, but they screwed it up. So, I mean, they do it all the time. And the NHL can't get out of its own way. Yep. I, you know what it was, Anthony? That one wasn't for dramatic effect. I actually figured out how to set up our uh, our bracket challenge, <laughs> and I'm I'm really proud of it. But no, you, you're totally right. I think we talked about that on a test show. I don't or did we? Yeah, no, we maybe. we didn't do a test show. It, we that's did, right. Yeah. Oh my god, it was, all these I shows, think it was our welcome. All I think these it was shows our welcome are, show. These shows are all just they're they're all blending. You're right. It was the uh, the welcome show where we talked about the fact that the NHL just can't get out of their own way, and like yeah. it it like I I guess we keep coming to. Uh, to cross over things here, but like where the NBA is really good about kind of capitalizing and maximizing their talent and the things that differentiate them as a league. And they're often on the forefront of whatever technology analytics, whatever they seem to do it in a way that, that even at the time people kind of appreciate it for what it is and are, are open-minded to it. When the NHL rolls anything out uh, in the name of trying to be innovative, the first reaction of course has to be, Seriously, Gary Bettman, he's going to be the guy that's, you know, going to revolutionize the game. I mean, we even talked about it on the last show that, you know, he led the league into a lockout that it still had a hard time recovering from, even to this day. The idea that the NHL is going to be able to do not only what's best for the product now, but also going forward is, is kind of comical. So, you know, if it's changing playoff formats, if it's taking the one really cool event that you did and then beating it, into the ground to a point where like nobody cares about any of the outdoor games whatsoever. You know, it's just a shame. And I, I kind of wish that they could get out of their own way in a, in a sense like hockey, I think would be best served by kind of joining this, uh, this generation. But at the same time, like it, it also feels like the safest thing for them to do might be to kind of go back old school. Like don't, don't try to, to, to innovate, just kind of stay, stay where you are. Like you know, maybe it's an unfair thing to say that the sport is a niche sport in the U.S., but like to some extent, it kind of is, right? And so, in some ways, it almost makes sense to double down on tradition. And it's obviously something that the Flyers do a lot of, and it's something that a lot of you know um, the the classic teams, I guess, do. Flyers are not a classic team; they're an expansion, you know, at some point. But um, however, I will tell you, there are people who think of them as a classic, and I, I, I'm not saying here. I'm not just saying our fans. I'm saying there are people from around. Uh, the league, I, I remember traveling and having people in Canada say the Flyers are like the the at the time there was only six there was this was before Winnipeg came back, um, but they said they were they, the Flyers are like the seventh Canadian team. That's how popular they are up there, 
and they're treated as such. They're treated as an original six kind of team, even though they were an expansion team. So, I mean, that says a lot about what Ed Snyder did when he was the owner of the team and building and marketing the, the franchise. But um, really, I mean, they are viewed by other cities as a a classic organization. They're not an an expansion team. And, and, and it's funny because if you look at the other teams that came in with them in 1967, no one else has that same kind of gravitas that the, that the Flyers do around the hockey. So it's really kind of interesting. That is interesting. Um, let's kind of get back to, I guess, what we're all here for. Yeah, the playoffs. So playoffs. Yeah, so we've got... <laughs> yes, Jim, playoffs. We've, we've got some, uh, some really interesting matchups coming up. Uh, do you want to lead with the other ones or should we like really drill down on Flyers-Penguins right now? Because I, I feel like I've, I feel like if ahead. we do that, we're gonna we're gonna go for a long time, and then the other matchups are kind of thrown by the wayside, which is fine. Or we could just really quick do an abbreviated hit on each of the series, get your picks out of the way, and then whatever happens with Flyers Penguins, you know. Okay, let's let's bang. Yeah, we'll bang the other ones out really fast. I'll All just right, give so my you, I'll just give my predictions for them, and then uh, and we'll take it from there. So I'm so, gonna I'm gonna tweet out a link. This is a this is a thing now. This is happening. It's happening in in real time in our recording. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna tweet out the um the bracket challenge so people can kind of fill this out as they go. You can pause the podcast for a second and make sure you pull it up. But the uh, the bracket challenge, all you have to do is Google or you can go to bracketchallenge.nhl.com. It's set up. the The group name is Snow the Goalie, and uh, it's it's fantastic. So Anthony, you're going to uh, obviously influence the way that people are picking these series because yep. they they look to you for knowledge they look to you for wisdom and they look to you because uh they like me were also probably three years old in 1994 when that great stanley cup <laughs> final was going on so uh yeah let's start on the western conference side okay smashville against yeah. uh you know colorado this is the easiest play of the of the tournament um i, I think nashville is the best team in hockey for a reason. Colorado had to sneak in at the end of the year, the last game, uh, and it was a good win for them. They won at home uh, and beat St. Louis, who was a team that a lot of people thought were going to be in the playoffs, and Colorado was a surprise team this year. Uh, They sneak in, but they can't compete with Nashville, even though Colorado has a guy who's probably going to be a a, um, Hart Trophy finalist in Nathan McKinnon. Um, The Predators are just too good. They're too deep, and they're so excellently coached by a former Flyer coach, Peter Laviolette. Um, they are. You ready for this? Ready for this one? Jam in here, Rod. Go ahead. Ready for these odds, Russ? Nashville Uh is minus five (laughs) fifty. Minus five (laughs) fifty. You have to bet five hundred and fifty dollars to win a hundred bucks on the Nashville Predators. That's insane. That's insane. That's how. That's how much of a favorite they are. I'm going to take Nashville. I'll give Colorado a game just because I I can't pick sweeps. I mean, it's it's hockey, right? It's impossible to pick a sweep. I'll give Colorado a game. Nashville wins it in five. Winnipeg, Minnesota. How wild do you expect <laughs> this series to be? I, I thought this this series would be a lot closer um, if Ryan Suter wasn't hurt. Now, Minnesota's best defenseman, Ryan Suter, um, had a really bad ankle injury, broke it, crashing into the boards, and it really looked kind of innocuous when it happened. And when you hear the damage that was done, I mean, it, it was so bad that doctors told him if he played any other sport, it would be career-threatening. 
I mean, that's how that's how bad of an injury it is. I guess because the way your foot fits inside of a hockey boot and it's really tight and secure, he can come back from this. Um, but Minnesota is going to really miss him against a Winnipeg team that that controls the controls the puck a lot, gets a lot of shots on goal, spends a lot of time in the offensive end. Um, they're a pretty significant favorite as well. Uh, they're the third best favorite, well, tied for the third biggest favorite, um, uh, according to Las Vegas. Uh, odds all the odds i'm giving you by the way are from bovada um winnipeg's minus 220 and i think that that's that's because they're going to win the series i'll take the jets in i'll give it six in that one but uh winnipeg's certainly the better team um let's keep moving down the uh the delightful bracket here we got this one i think is going to be really interesting mm-hmm. we've got vegas golden knights la kings i i don't know if this one's going to be very close but i'm very interested to hear um, what you think about this expansion side that's obviously outperformed all expectations going up against this LA Kings team that, you know, for better or worse, the the reputation that precedes them is being a team that always, you know, steps up in the biggest moments. I almost kind of compare them, and maybe it's because they're black and white and because I like sports. I kind of look at them as, as the San Antonio Spurs. They're, they're a reliable team that, you know, when the postseason finally rolls around, it doesn't matter what their form look like coming into it. They're they're going to step up in the brightest moments, uh, brightest spotlights shown on them. Yeah, I think that this is the next best series after Toronto Boston. If you really want to, want to know, and 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 I think that it's two really good teams, and it's interesting because this is a number two seed Vegas against a wild card. The top wild card is is the L A Kings, um, and Vegas has been such a great story. I mean, they they're an expansion team who are full of players who nobody else wanted. Right? I mean, that's that's their entire roster are players that. No, no other team wanted. They left them unprotected, um, and Vegas comes out and and just has just a monster season, and and you know really is a great. They're a Hoosiers story in a lot of ways. Um, they have Pierre Edward Bellemare. Bellemare, yeah, like Bel- Belmar could, from the Flyers, right? How could it? How could it not be an incredible team, right? <laughs> um, but the Kings are the Kings are solid. I mean, the Kings are really good. And what I like about the way the Kings play, and it's going to be a contrasting styles. Like Vegas skates and skates and skates, and they keep coming at you. And the Kings are a big, strong, physical team uh, who are really difficult to t- take the puck away from them. So you're going to have a you know this skating team against this uh, physical team, and they're really going to be a clash in styles. Um, you have two pretty good goaltenders uh, in Flurry with the Knights and um, Jonathan Quick, who's had a really nice season for the Kings. Anze Kopitar for the Kings is a, another guy who's potentially in the Hart Trophy conversation, certainly going to be in the Selkie conversation as the best two-way forward in the NHL. Um, I, I think this is – and you know, what, it, Vegas, as good as they've been all year, they're only minus 140, and the Kings are plus 120. So if you're a betting person, this is a value bet, okay? This is one I, I would suggest. I have a – I think I mentioned my degenerate gambling friend who always looks for hockey picks. I gave him this one uh, today. I'll take the Kings in this series. I think it's a, a long series, but I think their experience, uh, and f- again, another former Flyer coach out there, John Stevens, um, is, oh, is go- I know, right? Is going to... PTSD hearing that. <laughs> it's go- he's not a bad coach. He was just a boring guy, but he was not a bad coach. Um, he, the, I think the Kings are, and their experience is going to... Knock, knock Vegas off and kill off the Cinderella story. And the Kings will advance. I'll take the Kings and I'll make it go seven, but I'll take the Kings. Seven games. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, Anaheim. You got um, all the people who grew up like me loving the uh, the Mighty Ducks. Do, do the Ducks 
Oh man, do you remember the video? Do you ever see the the um the viral video with the cat? Yes. Hey Dave, you like the ducks? <laughs> Go ducks, huh? Yeah. All right, so this is this has gone off a really what an interesting show we're having. Uh, Anaheim Ducks, San Jose Sharks. It's another good series, close series. I think the two teams are well matched together. Um, I just think that the the Sharks are a little bit more consistent. Um, they score uh, a little bit better than Anaheim. They play a little bit better defense than Anaheim. Ducks have the edge and goal. Gibson's had a great year for the Ducks, um, but uh, I think that the Sharks are just a slightly a slightly better team. And it's interesting because again, is another if you're looking going on betting lines, Ducks are minus one thirty and the Sharks are plus one ten. That's even lower. That's the that's the closest series, as a matter of fact, uh, of all the betting lines. But I think that the Sharks are the better team, and you know if they take one of those uh, to take uh, one or two of those first three games, I think that it's it's a short series. If they have to fight their way back, which they can do against Anaheim, then it can go longer. But I'll take the Sharks winning the series in six. All right, move over to the Eastern Conference. Tampa Bay, Jersey. This goes the way that we all expect it to go, right? Yeah, it should. Although I think Jersey can play the, can play with them a little bit. I mean, the one thing about Tampa that that especially down the stretch that really kind of concerned me. So well, there's two things. One, um, Steven Stamkos didn't play. I mean, he had an injury, and you know there was oh, when's he going to be back? When's he going to be back? He's going to play in the playoffs, but really, how what what percent is he at? You know, we don't know. I mean, because they in NHL we hide injuries, so nobody really knows how hurt somebody is. Um, but we'll be able to tell by just watching him skate a little bit um and play and see how see how he is um but the thing that concerns me most about tampa is their defense is not very strong it's just mediocre and so yeah they can they can outgun you they have the you know best offense in hockey no question about it but if you're able to to skate with them and, and shoot with them and score with them and play with them you could steal a couple games from them and at some point, it's going to come back and bite them. I don't think it's in this series, but I do think the Devils can hang in. Tampa's minus three fifty, second biggest favorite on the board. But I'll give the Devils two games here. I think the I think that they hang for six, uh, but Tampa wins it in six. Did you give us a, an opinion on Boston Toronto already? Uh, well, we, we didn't. I didn't pick a winner. Okay, um, I, you gave that, the breakdown, but not the winner. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it, it, it's going to be a, a hell of a series. It's going to go seven. Um, Boston is a favorite at minus one forty-five. Um, Toronto plus one twenty-five. But geez, that could—I think this is a fifty-fifty series. Gun to my head, I'm taking the Bruins um, just because I, I like their top line a little bit better and I like their goaltending a little bit better. But boy, oh boy, I can see Toronto winning this series. They're a really good team, really well coached by Mike Babcock. Um, the, the one thing that I—the one thing I always worry about Toronto is the pressure. There's nothing like the pressure put on by fans in Toronto for hockey. I mean, it's it's the most intense thing ever. And so even if you once you start to you know you lose one game, all of a sudden it's the world is your world is ending in Toronto. Um, so that's the one thing I always worry about with the Maple Leafs, and probably why they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967. Um, but the Bruins, I think, are the better team. I'll I'll take the Bruins in seven. So can you just settle something really quick in? Um my job. I've got one guy who's a Toronto Maple Leafs fan and yep. another who's a Detroit Red Wings fan. Yep. And we got into this big argument the other day about the importance of Mike Babcock. And was he the real reason that Detroit was so successful? Um, you know, would if he had stayed in Detroit, would they have kind of fallen into obscurity like they are uh, currently? Um, is he the real reason that Toronto is as successful as they are? How much, how much do you think Babcock is really 
had to do with Toronto's ascent. Oh, he's a great coach. I mean, he's a he's a great coach. Um, I don't think that that's the reason Detroit was good, and now he left and they stink. I think that he left at the right time. Um, they were on their way down. Um, you can only pick at the bottom of the draft for so many years until you finally run out of prospects. And Detroit did a great job. They were always finding diamonds in the rough. I mean, you look back over their career, uh, a lot of really good players came late in the draft. I mean, Dotsuk was a late pick, and Zetterberg was a late pick. And, um, I mean, just anybody, uh, even go back to Nick Lidstrom was a later pick. I mean, they, they didn't, you know, they have always found gems and I, it just got to a point where they didn't have any more and so Babcock leaving kind of coincided with that and you say, oh well maybe it was the coach well maybe but maybe not but him going to Toronto Toronto had uh, uh, they went through their own little bit of a rebuild but they got Austin Matthews who's a star I mean the kid is really really good and he very well could be the second or third best player in the game behind McDavid and Crosby at this point. Um, and so when you have a star player like that and you put some decent players around him, it doesn't matter who the coach is. is. You're going you're gonna to be successful, right? So coach just has to kind of organize it. So you, you couple the two together, and I think that that kind of is how Toronto has turned into a, a potential Stanley Cup finalist here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, part of it's Babcock, but I, I don't want to give him full credit. Okay, um, let's go on to what's left. Oh, yeah, Columbus and Washington. I think it's another decent series. Um, Columbus kind of tanked <laughs> the last game, hoping to get this matchup. Um, they rested seven starters uh, in their last game and then kind of hoped that the Devils would lose as well and the Flyers would win so they would fall down to play Washington so they didn't have to play Pittsburgh. Um so and they got what they wanted and i think it's a good matchup for the blue jackets I mean, the capitals the one thing about the capitals is they're not a great five on five team um neither are the penguins really but but the capitals uh, even more so they they just kind of exist at five on five and they kind of wait for their opportunity to to beat you with their power play because it's so good so basically you're waiting for the power play to score or ovechkin does something incredible at five on five and, and that's pretty much washington's game um, and I'm not certain, that, and there's a reason they don't seem to get past the second round and haven't uh, in 20 years. And it's it's because, you know, they're not built, I don't think, for the playoffs. Um, I think they're a very good regular season team, but teams that grind you uh, can, can really kind of frustrate the Capitals. And the Blue Jackets are an ultimate grinder team, uh, coached by an ultimate grinder coach in John Tortorella. And, oh, by the way, they have a two-time Vezina-winning goalie in Sergei Bobrovsky. So um, I, I like Columbus. Columbus is an underdog if you're going by the odds. Washington's minus 130, Columbus 110, plus 110. I think this is another one of those value bets. Take the Blue Jackets to win this series in six. Tortorella is one of my favorite coaches. I just love I love guys that get fiery. Um, I assume that most of their locker room hates them, loves them in the, in the, uh, the height of the battle and then hates them in the aftermath when he's throwing everybody else under the bus. I like Tortorella a lot. Um, yeah. I, I just, he and Laviolette, there's something about those guys, something about the fire, as Laviolette likes to say, getting some jam in here. Um, <laughs> speaking of jam, yeah, this has nothing to do with jam. Flyers-Penguins. It's the no. one that we've all been we've all been waiting for. This this matchup, I, 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 I led the show by making it, you know, making fun of the fact 
that people seem to act like it's never happened before. They get super, super hyped up about it. But like ultimately, this is a matchup that I do like to watch. Uh, we're all going to be transported back to, uh, was it 20? 20, 2012? 2012, yeah. where the shift. Giroux, the shift. like right off, right off the bat, goes <laughs> after Crosby, punches him in his, in his dumb, big-nosed face, smashes him up against the boards. And it's a it's a beautiful moment. Goes down, scores a goal, right? And yep. And it's it's the um, the perfect embodiment. It's the exact moment um, that Flyers fans like to kind of point to because we don't have a Stanley Cup in most of our generations or most of our lifetimes to kind of point to. So that's our moment. Pittsburgh throws three Sidney Crosby led Stanley Cups in our face. We throw the shift at them. Um, how do you see this one playing out? Well, you want me to give the prediction off the bat, or do we want to break it down some? Since it's our Flyers series, I think I think in a, in a way it makes a lot of sense to uh, to do the breakdown. I just wanted to see if I'd trip you up and make you. Uh, I mean, I'll give the pre- I'll give the prediction no, don't, up front. Don't you dare! Don't you dare! Okay. That, that's right. how we get people to stay in here. Okay, that's really fine. quick. Can I give you my picks on the uh, the other matchups? Yeah, go right go right ahead. Can't wait. All right, so uh, Predators. That looks yeah. like a saber tooth tiger, right? We're going to treat this like the NCAA tournament. Saber tooth <laughs> tigers. <laughs> Have been have historically been de- um, defeated by avalanches, so uh, I'm definitely gonna gonna say that they they're gonna um, buck tooth that trend, and oh. uh, Nashville's gonna win. How long did it take you to come up I with that th- one? I just right now. Um, I really like the fact that the Winnipeg Jets also have a maple leaf as their background. I think right that looks like a maple leaf. It is Jets Jets against Wild. It's really hard to fight Mother Nature, and if a jet were to fly into a tree, it would die. So um, Minnesota wins that. Golden Knights, I like Knights. Knights seem nice against the Kings. The Knights have to bend the knee to the King, right? Correct. Right. So um, yeah, sorry, sorry, Vegas. That's a shame. Uh, I like Ducks. Ducks don't have chances against Sharks. Sharks eat them. Sharks win. Lightning would definitely kill the Devil. So that makes sense. What is a Bruin? A Bruin is a bear. Correct. Bears use leaves as toilet paper, <laughs> so um, I, I guess that's fair. Although and, and, a leaf could be poison ivy, and in that case, it would leave a lasting impression on that bear. I'm yeah. actually going to say that the leaves win. What is a capital? A capital is a, a capital is a corrupt place, and that's going up against a blue jacket. Well, in theory, a capital going person could wear a blue jacket, and as such that they are going to exert their dominance so the Capitals win. And that gets us to whatever a flyer is against a flightless bird. Can we, for the rest of the episode, not refer to them as the Penguins, but rather as the flightless birds? You can. Okay. I give you permission. I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, You know what's interesting about these teams? I I mentioned this earlier. They're so similarly constructed. Um, When you really look at it, right? So the Flyers' top line... Well, I don't even want to say top line, but they're top because they're not really together anymore. But their top three scorers, uh, Drew, Couturier, and Voracek, um, had just a sensational season, except for the fact that the only team that had a better trio was the Penguins, who had Crosby, Malkin, and Phil Kessel. Um, and then the rest of their team is littered with you know youngish players who are contributors. Um, and then on defense, you know, both teams have a go-to top pair, um, a mediocre at best second pair, and a, oh my God, please don't put them out on the ice, third pair. And then you go to the goaltending, and this is where Pittsburgh should have an advantage because Matt Murray 
has been very good the last two years. Won the Stanley Cup for the Penguins um, uh, last year. Um, it really, really should be the better goalie. But he's had his numbers versus Brian Elliott. Elliott's had better numbers this year. Murray's really struggled. Um, so they're very similar in how they're constructed. There's the things that I don't like for the Flyers in this instance. Is like, A, I don't like the coaching matchup a little bit. Um, I, when you look at Dave Hackstall and, and the way he coaches, he's very rigid and, and, and regimented in the way he approaches things, whereas Mike Sullivan with the Penguins does it. I think he's, he's a guy who coaches on feel uh, a little bit and, and kind of puts his, you know, sees what, what's being given to him and says, all right, you know, I'm going to change this up and I'm going to put these guys together here, but only for a few shifts and then I'm going to go back to something else. And you never know. He's always, you know, dodging here and, and shifting there and, and doing things when you're not expecting. And I think in game management, he's much better than, uh, than Hackstall, who tends to be a rigid planner and doesn't really come off of his plan in game. And that's the thing that, that I think is a, a huge advantage for the Penguins. And second, the Penguins are a team that has zero problem playing at multiple uh, styles. They can play fast. They can play big. They can play a game where it's you know a, a track meet back and forth. They can play a tight checking game. They can play they they can play physical. I mean, whatever you need to do, the Penguins can play that way. They can. They can be like an amoeba in a lot of ways, where the Flyers can't. The Flyers like to gum up the neutral zone, slow you down, uh, try and make your life difficult, keep push you to the outside so you can't get your chances, play disciplined hockey, Nate, not take a lot of penalties, and then try to take advantage of opportunities with like stretch passes and the like, which is that's that's what the Flyers, and they did it successfully. They got themselves into the playoffs doing that this year, right? So they're the two contrasting styles. Which one is more conducive in this series? Now, normally, I would say in a normal playoff series, the Flyers' style is actually the way teams tend to play. But you don't usually see two teams playing the same kind of style, and then it's just a you know a slog to see who can win, right? And whoever the more whoever the more disciplined team is is going to win. You rarely see it where one team's trying to slow it up. D it up, and the other team is trying to go 150 miles an hour. And I think that's going to be the interesting dynamic here. And ultimately, I really think that the Penguins are the are just the better team. They they just really are. They scored five. I know regular season doesn't matter, but they scored five goals in each of the four games that they beat the Flyers this year. I mean, that's a lot. Flyers gave up 20 goals to the Penguins in four games. That's a lot. And so th- that tells me that you know, unless there's some kind of secret system that that Hackstall has yet to reveal that he's going to pull on the Penguins, I, I don't know how the Flyers are going to stop them. I just don't. If they take a penalty, Russ, the Penguins score on the power play 26% of the time, and the Flyers give up pe- uh, goals 25% of the time. So it's it's like the number one power play in hockey against the number 27 pe- penalty kill in hockey. I, it's just not good. I mean, you almost have to play a perfect game to beat the Devils. I mean, to beat the um, Penguins, and in order they have to, to do, do it four times, they have to do yeah. it four times, right? Which I don't see it happening. So, ultimately, I th- do I think the Flyers can win a couple games here? I do. I, I think that they're okay. I mean, they're okay as a matchup with the Penguins, but couple the fact that Pittsburgh's won two Stanley Cups in a row, 
They're going for three. They're trying to make a historic run here. Um, they know how to play this time of year. And the Flyers, even though they were there two years ago, a lot of these guys have never been in this spot before. And it ramps up. The intensity changes. The game changes. The way the game is called changes. And you have to adjust and learn on the fly. This is a bad team to adjust and learn on the fly against. So all that said, I'm making my prediction. Penguins win this series at the Wells Fargo Center, game six, <sighs> and a week from Sunday. Sunday the twenty. what is that, the 22nd? That would be game six, yeah. So, yeah, and and at that point, do we look at this as a, as a lost season? I don't think so. I think they got in, they'll get a little bit of experience, and ultimately we'll sit there and say, hey, yeah, okay, that was a step for the Flyers. But it really kind of sends them into the offseason at, at a situation like, okay, now what? And Ron Hextall really goes under the microscope at that point. So, But we'll talk about that more later. I, I think that this is a, uh, a a good matchup, but not the best possible matchup for the Flyers, and I think they lose in six games. As I've been saying all along, I think anytime you're in a playoff series, especially with the amount of youth that this team has, it's nothing but a positive, right? Like the, the difference between missing the playoffs – and getting a draft pick at that spot versus like giving guys like Konechny, you know, some actual playoff minutes. Even Provorov, Gossespierre, like getting these guys playoff tested moments that, you know, when next year rolls around or even in two years when they're a couple, you know, years further into their careers, then they're a um, more seasoned group of young veterans at that point. And the guys like, you know, Yori Laterra are... Um, doing whatever it is they're going to be doing when they're not collecting a paycheck from the flyers for whatever reason. Um, you know, like these are the kind of moments that are supposed to be the, the most important in, in growing those guys, uh, long-term growing their talent, growing experience. It's, it's all part of the process. Right. And so I, I'm in the same kind of boat that you are. I, I think it's going to be six games. I do expect that each team is going to play I don't know if this is, necessarily like obviously it's been a a series sweep thus far this year and as you mentioned five goals allowed at least in each of the games by the Flyers uh, to the Penguins it feels like the last few years I I guess this one kind of taken out of the equation it wasn't really a fair matchup but it's felt in recent years that the Flyers I think have played better against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh and vice versa it never really feels like home fee or home ice advantage is really all that important with these teams because for whatever reason, it just feels like they play better on the road. Well, you're not wrong. I mean, since they've opened that building, the flyers have a great record in Pittsburgh. Um, and I don't know exactly what it is. I would have to look it up, but I know that they've done really well there. And you're, and again, you're right in the sense that you look at the four games this season, uh, the two games that were here in Philadelphia, um, Hey, the Flyers had a lead in all four games, just to point out. But the two games that they lost here in Philly ended up being not close, whereas the two games in Pittsburgh both went o- overtime. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Flyers the Flyers do play Pittsburgh decently on the road, um, but not as well at home. And it, it's really kind of an interesting thing how that, how that all kind of plays out. But, you know, the one thing I keep hearing people say is, well, you know, the Flyers – Flyers know how to get inside or get under the uh, Penguins' skin. Eh, this is not the same Penguins team from 2012. A couple of players are still there. I mean, you know, obviously Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Um, so they have some players that are the same. But really, other than Malkin, none of these guys get caught up in that, you know, in that foolishness. And so I don't think that that's a strategy that the Flyers can employ. 
more so because they can't risk. You know, in 2012, the Flyers had a really good penalty kill, uh, so they could they could you know take some chances on trying to goad the Penguins into into penalties and the like, and and getting into a kind of a crazy series. I don't think this team can afford to do that, and so the Flyers, I think, are going to are going to try and be as disciplined as possible and limit the number of power play chances that the Penguins actually get. I really won't be surprised if the Penguins only end up with, you know, on average two power plays per game. I mean, if if, if this is a six game series and the Penguins have more than twelve chances, um, that's not good for the Flyers. So I, I really think that the the Flyers are going to are going to really focus on discipline against Pittsburgh and not try and and and. And you know, bring bring rise from the ashes those uh, uh, old um, rivalry and and emotions that really carried things earlier uh, earlier this decade. There are two things that have me really concerned with this series, and it was going to be the same regardless of the opponent. The first thing is goaltending. As always, it's a Flyers team. We always have to be worried. Um, if Brian Elliott is going to be the player that we saw prior to the injury, or if it's still going to be a thing where he's, he looks like he's still rusty and still kind of stretching himself out and getting back into games in, in the game shape. And subsequently, like who the backup is and how that backup inevitably plays when uh, Elliott gets pulled at some point in the series, it'll happen. It might happen in game one. It might happen in game three, but we know that at some point Hackstall is going to, you know, have to, or is going to in, in some way feel the need you know, early in the second period or something to pull Elliot out and try to give new life to the team. So that's that's like one thing that I'm concerned about. Goalie well, let me, play. Well, let me talk about the goalie for a second. I can I can tell you with 100 percent certainty from a, a team source that um, Elliot is is not 100 percent. Um, he's still a little sore. He's still fighting it. You know, when you have this kind of injury, what they call a core muscle injury, it sounds so. It sounds so innocuous, right? But it really, is it's a hernia? I mean, that's what it, that's what he had, and you know, he's trying to p- go back to playing hockey at the most elite level uh, seven weeks after hernia surgery. I mean, there's a lot of scar tissue in there, man, and that's you know, you you push off on one side to try and slide over to make a save, the other side, and you just feel that that stuff tearing apart inside your stomach. I mean, that's that's not good, you know, in your groin area. I mean, that's that's a painful thing. And, you know, I give all, all the credit in the world to Brian Elliott for trying to be that guy and come back and, and save the team here because they need him. They can't rely on any other goalie. Um, and who's the backup? It's going to be Peter Morazic to start. I know Neuver was out skating for the first time with the team today. But he's even if he does get back, he's not close to being ready. He's going to need a little bit of time. Um, so it's going to be Morazic probably for this series. And, you know, I can't, I can't be comfortable if he gets into a game, if Elliot can't do it, if Elliot can't go, or he's, um, he's, you know, just getting pulled because of bad play. I, I don't, I have zero confidence in Peter Morazic as a guy to go in there against the Penguins. I have no confidence at all. So yeah, it is a real, it's a real good concern of yours. And, and that's probably one of the reasons why I, you know, I didn't mention it, but it's probably one of the reasons why I would sim- simply pick the Penguins in this series if I was just betting on the series. So that's that's concern number one. I'm glad that you also share it. Concern number two is youth. Um, I maybe I'll let me switch this up real quick. Let's go with concern number two is Dave Hackstall's lineup choices, and part of that is going to be influenced by youth. We saw the flip between Konechny and Raffle, which I still don't like. 
Um, and I don't know how this is going to look in the postseason, but I'm also worried about Hackstall shortening the bench. I'm worried about guys like Konechny not being put in position to be successful. I'm worried that guys like Yori Letera and Valfilpola are going to end up seeing increased minutes because Hackstall is going to feel the need to have veteran leaders on the ice at all times because it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, and that's that's just the way that conventional wisdom says that things are supposed to play out. Um, I I like I said in uh, what three minutes ago, this is supposed to be at least in in my estimation, this should be a time that you're trying to get these young guys minutes and get them playoff experience. And to me, it's going to do a disservice, and I expect this to happen. It'll do a disservice to a lot of these young guys for them to have their minutes cut and taken by guys who, like, albeit may have been in this kind of moment before, have been in the postseason or have been in the league for a long time and supposedly know what to expect. I think it's going to do a disservice to some of them. I think at the end of the series, we're going to look back, and maybe it's not Konechny. Like, maybe it's Travis Sanheim doesn't even get to play. Like, maybe it's a Brandon Manning pairing that Hackstall is more comfortable with and Sandheim doesn't play. Or maybe it's like Oscar Lindblom gets dropped even lower in the order. Or maybe it's Scott Lawton doesn't even, you know, make the fourth line because, uh, you know, Hackstall decides to push a couple different buttons. These are all things that are concerning to me. And, like, obviously, Lawton's not a guy that I'm, I'm worried about long-term, you know, where his head is at and his development. But a guy like Lindblom who's been called up, a guy like Konechny, guys, you know, defensively, uh, you know, I don't want to see the... Um, um, the pairing of uh, Provorov and Gostaspair that has been really successful throughout the year. I don't want to see that get blown up or like in like the small modifications that we've kind of seen in, in recent games where those guys haven't always been on the ice together. I don't want to see one of them get kind of strapped like a Manning or something like that because uh, in Hextall's mind, there's a matchup that kind of favors it. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm crazy for this, but it is a concern that I have. It's a concern that I've had all year, but I think it's just going to be compounded in this series. And I, I'm not interested in seeing a, uh, a set of veteran leaders go out and flounder and, you know, end up giving up goals to the Phil Kessel line. Like if, if Kessel's going to be out there scoring goals, then, you know, I'd, I'd like to see, you know, potentially see Couturier out there, um, you know, obviously match up against Crosby and his line and everything. But like, I, w- I want to go out and see some of these young guys go out and compete. And I don't want to see them buried on the bench or buried in the press box and then be told after the fact by, you know, guys who cover the team, you know, from a from a distance that this is what, you know, playoff experience is supposed to be like for young players. You know, they haven't earned their stripes yet. And that guys who have been in the league for a long time should be getting all the minutes and yada, yada, yada. I can just see this, the BS narratives kind of playing themselves out now already. Wow, that was some uh, that was some take there, Russ. Look at you. Sorry. You thought I was fired up earlier with the uh, with the league playoff format, and now you you went this route. This is you went uh, you went the full Monty, man. You Am really I wrong? Did. No, well, it's not that you're wrong. Um, I don't think that you're wrong at all. Should I yell? No. Do you, do, you, do, you me, do you want me to yell about Dave Haxtell? No, it's fine. I, and Dave it's, Haxtell doesn't know what he's doing. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting because we we got you know because you had put out on Twitter that you're looking for questions and stuff, and it's interesting that we actually had a guy who tweeted us this ver- basically this very question that was tied into what you were just saying. So uh, Eric Hufflick, I hope I pronounced his last name correctly, E Hufflick ninety seven. Um, he asked, how will Hackstall go about these matchups? Uh, no Philpola against Crosby, please. What's the best way to match up against Pittsburgh, in your opinion, that gives the Flyers the best chance? Also, do you agree with the move to swap Roffel and Konechny? So, no, I don't agree with the move to swap Roffel and Konechny, not because I don't think Roffel 
bring something to that top line. I do. I think he actually does. Um, he's a guy that is really always is really strong on the puck. So if you have a guy that like him on there, he doesn't have the passing ability that Voracek has, but he he does control the puck in a lot of ways, like Jake does. It gives Giroux and Couturier time to get open, um, and so he can create a little bit uh, as far as space is concerned. If even if he's not you know, going to make that perfect cross ice pass to Giroux, um, he, he at least adds something to that line. But that's not my concern. My concern is what happens to Konechny going down to the third line. You're playing Konechny with Filippola and Wayne Simmons. I think Wayne Simmons, we've discussed this, he's just not 100%. He's not himself. I don't think he's a great asset. I think he's just a guy on this roster right at this moment. It doesn't mean he can't get back to his former self at some point, but where he is physically at this point, I think he's just a guy. Um, and, and Val Filpola is not, <laughs> no matter what Dave Haxtell tries to tell you, he's not a great defensive player. So... Where does where what ha, what does that do to Konechny? I think it really kind of makes him the only guy on that third line who can do anything, and I think it forces him to think he has to create more because he's that only guy. And I, and I think that we're, you're basically telling him you're put, basically putting him in a situation to go back to doing the same things he was doing before that got him benched before that got him put in the press box before where he was trying to do too much. When he's playing with Giroux and Couturier, he's playing a much more controlled game. But putting him on a line with Philpola and Simmons at this point, you're basically telling him, "Hey, we need to we need to spread out our offense. So get on that line and do what you can." And and now you're asking him to do something that you know you've told him previously he shouldn't be doing. So I think that that's where the negative is 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 Konechny. Um I I don't want to see him taken off at, at the top two lines. I'm like we had talked about this last show. I'm okay. I would be okay with him going second line, um, but not the third line. I don't like him down on that third line. Now, how do the matchups go? And he's you know Eric says in his tweet he hopes that it's it's not Philpola against Crosby again. Well, here's here's how I'm going to point it out. All right, so let's look at it. Couturier is going to go against Malkin. I mean, that's just a given. Now, sometimes Crosby and Malkin do play together, and in those instances, Crosby will be and will, Couturier will be out against Crosby. But for the most part, Malkin is separate from Crosby, and they like Couturier against Malkin just because of his size. Malkin's such a big player, and Couturier can actually, you know, play with him. And it really, if you want to talk about getting in the head, getting in the heads a little bit, I, I do think Couturier is in Malkin's head. He does not like playing against Couturier. He gets frustrated with Couturier. Uh, and that's a good thing if you're a Flyers fan. So I think that the Couturier line is going to be matched up against Malkin. So now when you have Crosby out on the ice, who are you putting out there? Are you going to put Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom and Voracek out against Crosby? I, I don't think you can. I mean, Lindblom's a good two-way player. He is a responsible forward, but he is a rookie. Nolan Patrick's 19 years old, and Jake Voracek is not a defensive player. So you're going to put them out against Crosby? You can't. You just can't. This now means you have to put somebody else out there against him, and your choices now become the Val Philpola line or Yuri Laterra's line with Matt Reed uh, on the one side, and I guess Scott Lawton on the other. We're not going to put Dale Weiss in there for that, uh, for that all-star lineup? No, no. Um, and I think that that's my, that might be the line that you see playing against Crosby, just because Reed is a at least Reed is a good defensive forward. Not that you know, not that he's going to be one on one with Sidney Crosby, but at least he's a responsible defensive forward. Lawton's okay as a defensive forward, and Laterra is Laterra. Um, I don't understand his existence in the lineup. But the fact is, is that you don't have Dave Haxwell doesn't have any other choice. 
it's it's the hand he's dealt. And There's this is always what, a choice, Anthony. Who would you put, Russ? Who what line are you putting out there against? If Couturier is going against Malkin, who's going against Crosby? Clone Couturier. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's the point. No, we, no. Yeah. Sean Couturier can't play 60 minutes. So somebody else has to be out there against Crosby. Now, you have the luxury of maybe when you're at home, all right, where's the face-off happening? Okay, can we get the, you know, can we match up a little bit differently? Can we get a line on? Maybe sneak, you know, double shift Couturier from, you know, here and there as long as Crosby and Malkin aren't coming out in back-to-back shifts. Yeah, sure, you could kind of play with it a little bit and try and match up if you can, but... It's just not that easy. If you only have one reliable defensive center, which the Flyers only have one reliable defensive center, and the Penguins are spreading out those three players onto three different lines, somebody's getting an advantage. Some, And that's why they scored 20 goals on you in four games. Hmm. Sorry. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so disappointing. It, it really is. Well, and you know what? Watch. I'm saying but all like, this now. We've, you know, we said this, this for an hour, but watch what happens. Watch now the Flyers go out and like win two games in Pittsburgh, and everybody's gonna be like, "What the heck were you yeah, talking they about?" They won't. <laughs> They'll go one on one in Pittsburgh. It'll be fine. Yeah, I okay. think they're gonna get their doors blown off in the first game. No, let me let me switch that. They're going to win tomorrow because or slash tonight tonight when people listen, they're gonna win Wednesday night in game one because the Flyers are going to know that there's a large watch party going on in, in uh, Philadelphia at Six Feet Under Gastro Pub with the fine folks at Crossing Broad. Uh, and that's going to propel them to a victory. And then in Game 2, Pittsburgh's going to wake up and say, wait, they did what to us in Game 1? And they're going to like blow the doors off, like 6-1 or something like that in Game 2. It'll come home. The Flyers are going to like try to rebound. It's gonna, They're going to lose by like a goal in Game 3. Game 4, they're going to bring out Kate Smith and Lauren Hart to sing God Bless America because everybody knows that the Flyers have never lost when Kate Smith <laughs> video plays and Lauren Hart sings over it and the timing is off and it doesn't <sighs> And they're gonna they're gonna like they're gonna somehow win. God Anthony, if I if I go on a rant about this, am I gonna get us in trouble? No. Look, I've never I've I thought we that that talk about jumping the shark. I thought that the whole God bless America thing oh jumped the shark years ago. But um at least, and I'll tell you, at least Lauren, in previous years when she did it, at least made it seem like kind of cool, like, you know, when Nat King Cole did the Unforgettable song with her father or whatever it was, like they, um, you know, at least that was kind of like, okay, we we got it in sync, it's kind of cool. The fact that they hadn't trotted that out for an entire season and then pulled it out of the mothballs for the game 82 against the Rangers I think kind of caught everybody, kind of maybe even caught Lauren by surprise, because she was a little, she was like a, a second behind Kate Smith, and it just seemed awkward. It just seemed weird, and not that she was off key or anything. I mean, Lauren's got a beautiful voice, so it wasn't like she was she was you know Roseanne barring it out there, but <laughs> at the same time, um, it was it was certainly off. There was something not right in that rendition. So if they do it again, I would hope that they spend a lot of time. Making sure that Lauren and, and uh, you know Green Glitter Kate from 1973 is is still um, uh, is still uh, you know in sync at some point. This thing drives me nuts, and I know in the beginning I said that you know hockey should kind of double down on tradition, and and the Flyers often do it. But Kate Smith's been dead for 32 years. <laughs> okay, let the woman let the woman rest in peace. 
Okay. The the whole concept, like I I get that it it was a nifty thing to do, and people really bought into. Oh, oh, they're bringing out God bless America. Well, you know, God bless her indeed. And let's uh, let's do this duet. This duet. What could possibly go wrong? We've got this lady who's dead, and this this other lady who sings our national anthem in a. I don't want to. I don't want to go after Lauren Hart. I really don't. No. <laughs> her, Lauren Hart has a lo- has a lovely voice. I hate her rendition of the national anthem, and I know that she was like the number one national anthem person or something at, in the NHL. That was a thing that they were really big on for, for. Was it last year or two years ago? They said she was like the number one national anthem person. I I don't really like her rendition all that much. It always feels like her pacing is off as if like the recording gets off by two or three seconds and she always plays catch up. And I always know the nuances of how she's going to do it again. She's a lovely singer. I just don't like her rendition, but God bless America. The only time that I will say God bless America going forward is when the flyers announce that they are retiring this duet. Then I will once again say God bless America. God bless the flyers and no one else. I cannot stand it. And the idea that, this is supposed to mean something to the players or it's supposed to mean something to the crowd. And that's the reason they do it. Or like that's they're They're using it because it's supposed to highlight how important the game is. Look, if you're a fan going to this game, paying the exorbitant amount of money that you have to, to go to a hockey game, which by the way, I've, I've always found hockey to be cost prohibitive in a lot of ways. Even when the flyers were awful, I felt like the tickets were still way too expensive when you compare it to like a Sixers game who played the exact same amount of games. Um, obviously it's not fair to compare them to like the Eagles or something or to the Phillies, but like the tickets are expensive. If you're going as a fan and you don't know how important the game you're going to is without having, you know, uh, 32 year deceased Kate Smith's recording there to like get you hyped up for the game. You shouldn't be going if you're a player. And for some reason you need this duet, this posthumous, uh, duet to, you know, get your juices flowing and get some jam going in here. Uh, like, I, I don't know what to tell you. I just think the whole thing is overblown. It's overdone. And it kind of represents to me kind of what's wrong with, uh, with the way that the Flyers do some of these things. I'm not asking that they bring out, you know, they, they do a live stream from jail and have Meek Mill do, uh, you know, Dreams and Nightmares or anything. Oh, my God, though. Can you imagine if after he goes, hold up, wait a minute, y'all thought I was finished, and then Lauren Hart just out of nowhere starts singing God Bless America. <laughs> that actually would be entertaining. I'm actually all in on that. Let's go with that. But I, I don't know. I, I think the whole thing is just overblown. It's annoying, and I don't get excited for it. I think it. I think it's cool. Like I think they should retire it until a Stanley Cup run. Like I think if the Flyers are in a spot where they they have their backs up against the wall, and you know, like let's say in a, in a year or two they're a I don't know like a, a middle of the conference kind of team. They're in a Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals and they're hosting or something. Somehow it broke their way, and this is the thing that could propel them into the Stanley Cup final. Then fine. Bring Kate Smith out. She's going to look as beautiful as ever. She's going to sound as great as ever. And Lauren Hart can come out and she can sing the duet. And we can all get excited. And we can all throw one back with our grandfathers and our fathers and our and our uncles. And that weird guy who showed up at your Flyers watch party that you didn't invite. But he's there anyway. And he's wearing orange and black. So by God, he's a Flyers fan. And he deserves he deserves a beverage as well. Like, that's when it should happen. It doesn't need to happen at, at, at like, every not-that-important juncture of the season. So I, I don't disagree with you, but let me say this, and this is where I will defend the Flyers in making the decision to trot this out when they do. And I don't understand it. I don't get it. I think it's I think it's played. It's not necessary. It's You're right. It should be one of those only in 
incredibly important Stanley Cup final games, right? Because that's kind of where that's what kind of where the mystique kind of grew from. And you were playing it Game Six, seventy four against Boston. Okay, um, but I will say this: you go back and look on Twitter. I, I uh, when I first started as a on Twitter, I kind of thought that the the way to kind of get followers was to just follow everybody, so and fans included. So at the time, I was just like following two thousand people at the beginning. Um, and I never really got rid of it. I mean, I don't clean up my Twitter. I don't, you know, but I, I like to see what the fans are saying. So I still have them in my feed. And when the Flyers did that for game 82, 99% of the people on the feed were like, I'm teary eyed. This is awesome. I was so wondering when we were going to see Kate Smith again, oh blah, blah, blah. It's they, they buy into it. They believe in it. And so the Flyers know that. And even if there are people within the Flyers organization who think it's hokey, and yes, there are people within the Flyers organization who think it's hokey, they're still going to do it until they get to a point where they don't think that it's it's a marketable idea. And right now, they're correct. It is a marketable idea. So, I, you know, as much as I knock them, and I not I make fun of, and you know, the their um, uh, their game presentation guy is awesome. Guys, name's Anthony Joya. Um, he uh he is i make fun of him all the time because like something will go up on the big board and i will criticize it or i will say well that would that was you know something that didn't work or blah 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 blah. and you know he comes over to me he's like oh you had to put that out on twitter didn't you You had to say something blah 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 and you know whatever and that's just like a little banter thing we have back and forth at games but this is something that he's got his finger on the pulse of he knows that those fans are going to react to God bless America, and so they do it. And until it changes, until you start getting some booze at the notion of it, then guess what? It's going to continue to happen. I love people. I really do. I think people are fantastic. I think our listeners are, of course, the best that the hockey world has to offer, the best Flyers fans that Flyers fandom has to offer. But I I just want to say, if any of you listening to this are the same people who get teary-eyed, who get the goosebumps from listening to Kate Smith and Lauren Hartu, God bless America, just do me a favor. Keep being fans. (laughs) See, I didn't go the way that you thought it was going to, did it? (laughs) No, it didn't. See that? I didn't know what you were going to say there, Russ. Just keep being fans. Keep being fans. I was going to sit here saying, we need to edit, we need to edit, we need to edit. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Nope. I just, you know, look, I, I think it's fine. People are allowed to like things. People are, la- are allowed, obviously, to uh, to dislike stuff and, and dislike the uh, the reasons behind things. But look, ultimately, if if God bless America with, with those two is what gets the rest of the fans just as juiced as I am getting ready to watch a big matchup, then fine. Let it be. We'll we'll keep trotting them out and, you know, hopefully they'll 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 win. I don't know. I just I just find the whole thing a little bit infuriating, but it's okay. It's kind of like the people who like to see uh, the Rocky statue in the um, pregame package or the, seeing the cheesesteak. You know, like some people get triggered when they see uh, the, the cheesesteak thing on any Philadelphia sports team. When that's like the video package, it cuts back from a commercial like Monday Night Football and John Gruden's sitting there. He's like, man, I'll tell you what, man, I love those cheesesteaks, man. The ribeye, ribeye, love the cheese, man. It's fantastic. You're like, oh, okay, well, that's... um standard video package but some people really like it they feel like that's getting across what the best parts of philadelphia are when the rocky statue shows up or if god forbid the eagles ever have sylvester stallone at a game they typically lose those games i think i broke down that stat the eagles are like one in two or one in three 
in games where Sylvester Stallone is at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, he's a guy that you want to keep away. If if God Bless America is the thing that, you know, going forward, I think we should wipe the slate clean. The record doesn't matter to this point. If we're going to keep trotting out this uh, this idea, this duet, then by all means, let's restart the uh, the count. And we'll only start it back up when the Flyers win. But they've got to start 1-0 with God Bless America. And from that point on, none of the other stuff matters. You know what? I'm not even sure they keep track of the record anymore. Because it got to a point where it wasn't as lucky um, as as it was at the beginning, like as it was, you know, I mean, I think she had some kind of record at one point where it was like 35, three and five or something like some ridiculous thing. They were that good when it was played. And then since then I'd say it's probably around 500, if, if not slightly above it. Right. So it's probably not as impressive a number if you really, really looked at it. So I, I don't necessarily know if there's anyone who's still keeping track of that statistic. Um, I know it was something that was done at the spectrum, but I, I kind of think ever since they've moved to the Wells, Wells Fargo Center, I mean, I don't know, maybe there's somebody in the archives who's sitting there saying, oh, well, we sang God Bless America before this game, win or lose, and marks it down in some kind of, you know, old library register or something like that. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I don't think that they even keep track of that anymore. God Bless America is to the Flyers what the Winter Classic is to the NHL, or vice versa, however you want to line that up. It, it's I, It's something that did mean something at one point, and they kept going back to that well too much. And now I don't think it means nearly as much as it might have at, at some point. Its relevance is, is kind of decreased. What if it's oversaturation. I t- what if I told you... <laughs> is this a 30 for 30 getting this set up? Is, this is sacrilegious, I'm about to say. Something I'm going to say is, is really sacrilegious. Uh-oh. But, but what, if, what if I told you that the Flyers and singing God Bless America is really elitist and really self-serving only? And really edit, does edit, does does edit, a disservice. Edit, edit. I, I, no, just kidding. Go ahead. No, I, fine. Let's. Is this? Are you going to go with the Bruce Springsteen thing? Like when Bruce Springsteen didn't sing "Born in the USA" at the Super Bowl because he he didn't want to offend all the people who weren't born in the USA. No, not at all. It's not that at all. It's just that every um, sporting event in in the United States starts with the national anthem. Except for some Flyers games, <laughs> which starts with God Bless America. Look, you want to play God Bless America? I, I'm okay with it. I mean, I don't have a, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but I think we should still have the national anthem. I don't think it should be done in lieu of the national anthem. That's to me, that, to me, that's kind of, and no one ever says anything about that. No one ever says, well, oh, how come we don't sing the national anthem? Well, because we have Kate Smith singing God Bless America. Okay, fine. But I, I don't know. I just think that, that, you know, well, why is it okay? Why is it okay for the Flyers to get away with that and no one else? Like, I, I don't know. I Like Chicago, like if you want to talk about what, what, what a real uh, pregame experience is like, go see a game in Chicago uh, at the Madhouse on Madison and the Blackhawks fans, 21,000 strong, all sing the national anthem and clap straight through. It is a really cool experience. To be there for it, I, that's that's neat, right? That's something that's that's taking what we do not and not changing it, but doing it in such a way that it's memorable. The Flyers just basically said, national anthem, screw that. We're going to do God Bless America. Yeah, it's patriotic, but it's not our it's not our anthem. That's it's not what they play when we win gold medals. 
<laughs> you know? It's not like there's that one person from Philadelphia who wins a gold medal in an Olympic sport and goes, you know what? Eh, don't play the national anthem for me when you're raising that American flag. Just play me God Bless America. I, I, it'll all be good. People from home will understand. They, no, that doesn't happen. So A bunch of NFL owners just took this idea and said, wait a second. The players couldn't possibly take a knee or sit during the national anthem if we don't play the national anthem. Hashtag God Bless America. <laughs> See, we, the Flyers just set the precedent. This is great. There we you can, go. We can just, let's just, you know. Destroy. We're breaking new ground here. <laughs> yeah. Russ. Breaking new ground by, by taking it old school. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, Kate Smith. How long until they start digging up poor Kate Smith's, uh, like, the skeletons in her closet for. They're going to uh, exhume her? You want to exhume gonna, Kate Smith? Gonna, it's a good thing Twitter wasn't around when she was back then. You know, she probably was tweeting out some pretty racy things at the time, you know. <laughs> can you believe. Can you believe they're going to charge a nickel for this uh, this spool of thread? Whoever said that's a thing? It's a penny for a spool of thread, a penny for a needle. Can you believe it? Five times. It's inflation, I tell you. <laughs> I don't know. This is we've this has been a weird show. Yeah, uh, we've we've really gone down the rabbit hole tonight. It's really it's really people came for the Flyers Penguins preview. They stayed for God bless America. Yeah, as as it should be done. I'm half tempted. I don't know if I'm going to do it. And it, I feel like I, I'm going to have to if I bring it up now. I'm very tempted to use God Bless America, the duet, as our, uh, our, as out, our outro. Our, as our outro. <laughs> we should. We should do that. It's, it's the only thing that. that makes sense at this point. Hey, I do want to get on. I do want to get on record before we forget. Okay. We got to put uh, we picked our first round, but we didn't, neither of us gave our finals prediction. So we well, gotta get we gotta throw a long the way finals away from that, aren't we? Yeah, but well, I mean, we'll we'll give an, a real one when when we're both wrong and the two teams that are in the finals are not who we're about to say. But we gotta at least kind of say, you know, give our prognostication looking through the crystal ball from you know the beginning of the tournament. Who's going to be left standing at the end? Uh, I I think it's a rematch. You're going to go Na- Nashville Pittsburgh. I think it's Nashville Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh ends up winning. Uh, we all get ready to bury our heads in the sand and we hate ourselves and we hate our team for a while. Um, and we blame Dave Hextall for the better part of a few, uh, few rounds. We look to Ron Hextall for answers. He doesn't provide many of them in the off season. And we go into next year feeling like, uh, we haven't really done anything to close the gap with Pittsburgh and we have to deal with all of the Pittsburgh people who live in, in or around the area or kind of fill up our Facebook timelines with uh, their their gloating Sidney Crosby and their Evgeny Malkin loving moments. I will say, this is the only good thing I'll say about a Pittsburgh player, especially Crosby. I thought it was really nice to see um, Crosby had written a, uh, a handwritten letter. Uh, to the Humboldt of the, Broncos, yeah, yep. Yep, and I, I thought that was, that was a really nice thing that he did. And he's a total piece of crap. He's a whiner, he's a wiener, but he did a good thing. So I'll I'll say good job to you. On this one thing that had nothing to do with playing on the ice, Sidney Crosby, you get one. Good you work. get one nice thing. That's good it. work by you recognizing him. I that. hope they That's... punch your dumb face. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope they smash you into the okay. boards. Uh, and I, I hope that by the time the series is over, you uh, never mind. Okay, my pick. My pick. Um, we're, uh, I think it's going to be a, sh- a, a, a goofy Final Four in, in some some respects probably a little bit different prediction than than most people because i got two wild card teams reaching the the final four 
uh, but neither one is going to make it to the final. I, I think Nashville comes out of the West, um, and I think that they are your ultimate Stanley Cup champion, but I think they're going to beat the LA Kings in the Western Conference Final, which is uh, that's the team that I think is going to kind of surprise a few people um, coming out of the wild card there. In the East, I'm going to take the Boston Bruins. I'm going to cross my fingers and take the Boston Bruins because they could really? well they could well lose that first round series to Toronto. Um, that's gutsy. And, and I think if Boston loses that series, then Toronto is my plan B pick for the final because, that again, I think whoever wins that series is gone. But I think that the team that's going to come out of the Metro is going to be the Columbus Blue Jackets. Which is going to which is I know it's kind of a surprise, right? Um, I just think I think they're going to beat Washington, and I think that they're going to finally get over the hump against Pittsburgh in the second round. I really do. I, I think Pittsburgh's got some weaknesses, and there'll be a strong advantage in goal for Columbus. And I like Torts coaching against the Penguins. I really do. I think that's going to be an, an interesting potential second round matchup. But I don't think that they're good enough to beat Boston. So I got Nashville Boston Stanley Cup final with the Predators winning the whole thing. What if the totally unexpected happens? Like, what if if Vegas manages to make the Stanley Cup final, and they play Pittsburgh? Like, it wouldn't that just be the coolest thing? I mean, Vegas, I think, is already going to be this. You know, they've been a Cinderella story the entire year. But could there be a better matchup for the world against Pittsburgh than if if Vegas makes the finals in their expansion season? Well, that, that would, would be. be it'd be. I mean, is there any better matchup? that the NHL would rather push out there than a Vegas Pittsburgh, you know, the storylines that go into it. I know that the markets might not be the biggest, you know, the, the biggest draw, but you have Crosby going up against, you know, this expansion side. That's really the darling story of the league and kind of gives at least some kind of hope to expansion franchises and sports. Like it, it would be an amazing matchup. I would think I, I would assume that it would draw pretty high ratings, right? Yeah, we did well. Of course, you got Flurry going back against his former team, trying to win the cup against his former team. Um, uh, so yeah, I think that would be that would certainly be a draw. Um, but I'll tell you that I think that the NHL learned really quickly last year just how good a hockey market Nashville really is. I mean, I know Nashville is what the twenty fifth largest city in America, so it's not you know a, a prime market. But boy, they got a good following. You know, Subban brings a lot down there. Um, he brings a lot of attention up to Canada as well. Um, you, you know, you got Fisher coming out of retirement now to be back with the team, and you know, he's married to a country music star, and and so that you get a lot of a lot of pub that way as well. Um, there's there's a lot going on in that Nashville team. So uh, something tells me if you get a rematch like you're predicting, Nashville Pittsburgh, that that would that would be a big draw as well. I mean, when you look at the big markets, New York doesn't have anybody in. Um, L. A. does. Okay, fine. No Chicago this year. Uh, no Ar- no Phoenix, uh, and then the Flyers. So the two biggest markets that are in the playoffs are the Kings and the Flyers. Um, in lieu of I getting, even think about the fact that Chicago's not in. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? So, in in lieu of getting a Kings Flyers matchup, the only thing that I mean, I, I'll tell you what: if Toronto got to the Stanley Cup final, it would be the, the whole country of Canada would be on its ear. It really would. I mean, even if Winnipeg got there, they'd be pretty stoked. But if Toronto got there, having not won it in as long as it's been for them, I mean, they've not been even been to the final since expand since the Flyers expanded into the league. I mean, that's how long it's been since they've even been there. Um, so yeah, that's that would be that would be a big thing for the league if Toronto got there. So I don't know. I I think there are matchups that could be a little bit better than 
Vegas, Pittsburgh. But yeah, that would certainly be a cool one for sure. I think that's probably a good spot to to jump off. Yeah, well, we got it. Yeah, but you got to do our uh, which McCalls, our uh, our new reviews. Oh yeah, that's right. We have iTunes reviews. Thank you, yeah, Anthony. Yeah, iTunes. I have reviews. the I have the window right here, and I forgot about it. I'm staring right at it. That's what happens when we record really late, uh, and that <laughs> one's my fault today. So, um, I like this one. This this uh, five star review is brought to you by Snazzy Shoes Nineteen. That's a great name. <laughs> I love that name. Snazzy, Snazzy Shoes, Shoes Nineteen <laughs> says uh, two points, five stars. Finally, a flyer centric podcast. Russ is really coming into his own as a host of the CB Network, and Anthony is a great hockey expert. Now let's get two points tonight and head to the playoffs. And here's another one by Mike MC. The best! Exclamation point. Five stars. Great Flyers discussion with the very knowledgeable Anthony S. His overall hockey analysis combined with his long time covering the Flyers brings a great insight to the listener. The other guy's not bad either. <laughs> This is what I love. This is it's beautiful. Uh, the other have, guy. The other have, guy. Hey, that's fine. We have 12 five-star ratings. We have six five-star reviews. And if you're listening to this podcast, and many of you are, we look at the data, and the data says that many of you are listening. Uh, we are pretty much on our way to becoming the number one Flyers podcast, which isn't hard because, of course, we are the only Flyers podcast. Uh, so anyway, make sure you go into iTunes, leave a five-star review. Uh, spread the word let people know about snow the goalie and uh, come out to the live show tonight uh yeah by the time this posts it'll definitely be wednesday come out wednesday night tonight <laughs> sort of uh six feet under gastro pub near independence hall it is underground crossing broad live show slash flyers watch party for game one uh come out come on out wearing your orange and black bring out fan uh, fans of the team bring friends bring family Bring everyone out. It's going to be a great time. Anthony's going to be there talking about hockey. And as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Um, I guess that's about it. Snow the Goalie, brought to you by uh, the fine folks at the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. Don't forget to check out the other shows and subscribe. There's Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast with Anthony and Bob. you got Crossing Broadcast. That's with me and Kyle. Uh, there's Crossing Broad FC coming out Saturday mornings covering uh we've got a big champions league recap show plan that's going to be intense and it's always soccer in philadelphia with kevin kincaid that'll be coming out over the weekend as well um i guess there's only one thing left to say anthony what's that god bless america (laughs) 